Hello and welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. On this week's show... Impact Emergence, Night 1 Results and Night 2 Preview. NXT TakeOver, what to expect, what are we looking forward to, what not. SummerSlam, this Sunday, we'll run it down. All this and more. Just prior to this, we were talking about uh, some things and uh, Pete's trying to work them out. And we're thinking everything's going to work out for the best for you, man. Not, not nothing to worry about. Oh, that's fine. You just might hear my cats in the background. <laughs> hey, live audience. Excellent. Yeah. See, that could that could be a next route for us, a live audience. Uh, you never know. We could make some money, get some ticket money. Yeah, sell tickets Oof. to pets everywhere. <laughs> so... In the intro, we uh, obviously spoke about a few things. Tomorrow, we have NXT TakeOver XXX or 30, if you're not into your Roman numerals. Mark, give us a skinny. What's the uh, what's your, your preview, so to speak, for NXT 30? So with NXT TakeOver, I, I think right now a lot of the build has been um, Keith Lee carrying cross um, and how that's shaping up to be along with Pat McAfee and his involvement with uh, Adam Cole and what that's going to all look like. A little interesting that we have a football punter involved in an angle with wrestler. Was hasn't been the first time WWE has done a wrestling football crossover. I guess you can go as far back as like Ernie Ladd, who was years and years and years ago a football player that ended up crossing over. And then we ended up having things like the Chicago Bears and William the Refrigerator Perry. Um, and then we've come all the way down to years like today, where it's Pat McAfee, um, former NFL punter, I believe, for Indianapolis Colts, who uh, got into a bit of a kerfuffle with Adam Cole, and that turned into something else. And uh, I think that might be the marquee match. And then we also have the NXT Championship match. So um, some really interesting things to, to look forward to, especially with those particular ones. Yeah, for sure. You've got, you've got the, uh, as you said, the marquee there of uh, the Pat McAfee. I mean, the build to that has been has been quite good. At the beginning, it wasn't it wasn't really accepted that well online, at least. Anyway, you know, who's this Pat McAfee? He's just a some kind of guy, ex NFL player, who just walks in and starts giving giving mouth to Adam Cole. And now all of a sudden, it's it's spun on its head, and everyone is like, "Whoa, Pat McAfee!" You know, he punted Adam Cole's head off. Where you know could this could he actually do it? Could he could he beat Adam Cole? Could he actually withstand bumps in the ring, whatever else? I mean, who, who, who I did see someone say that he's been training. Who's he? Who's Pat McAfee been training with? Oh man, I've forgotten who it was, but he's been training with a legend. And um, even the legend has turned around and said that he's he's done really really well. Uh, like you said, with it getting kind of poo pooed online, um. I mean, I get, I get that. It's always kind of lame to see uh, uh, celebrities getting involved in in the ring, but uh, I think the last couple times there's been celebrity engagement with WWE, like uh, uh, Stephen Amell's match that won SummerSlam. Um, it's about to say Gronkowski, but that wasn't all that great. Uh, it's been, <laughs> it's been at least passable. <laughs> 
and I'm wondering why they chose Adam Cole for this. Because I think you have other members of the NXT roster that could have uh, um, an interesting match without sacrificing some of their credibility. Uh, I have in my notes here, I'm, I'm still not entirely sold on it. Seems kind of like a waste of Adam Cole to me. Yes. They've got big plans for Pat McAfee. Yeah. After after this match, then it will be, as you said, a waste of time for Adam Cole. But because Adam Cole, the longest reigning NXT champion, uh, you know, a, a major star, I can't see them not doing something with Matt, Pat McAfee going forward. Yeah, uh, and and I guess that kind of makes sense given given the global situation with the pandemic. But uh, you know, maybe this ends up with a little more mainstream attention from NXT, and that's. That's not something I'm going to be too upset about. Also, oh, you like maybe a tie-in with the USA Network or Fox, or so where I, I believe they're on Fox in the US. But at the same time, if the idea of I, that, that actually is a really good point because you bring in an NFL player or former NFL player, they've got their big NFL crew that's quite popular on Fox. Maybe there you have that kind of marketing crossover between the two. Definitely a possibility there. As you said, is they need to boost. Uh, they, I mean WWE pronouns. Um, they need to boost their ratings. They need to get claw back some viewers. And this and the the Thunderdome, it's a possibility. It really could be. Uh, how do we feel about the ladder match? Okay. Oh, are, are we going to talk about the elephant in the room? Go for it. Uh, should Velveteen Dream be on TV? With with those with those predatory behavior allegations against him, I'm I'd be surprised if he even has a job next week. It's, it's I'll say it's funny. It's not. It's just a, a phrase. But before he was taken off, apparently due to a, a car accident that he had, the uh, the allegations came out, and there was seriously strong allegations, and uh, an in depth investigation took place that found nothing. Absolutely nothing, even though it was all plastered over Twitter. There were screenshots, there was conversations, there was voice notes. Apparently, he did nothing wrong. And he came back, and all of a sudden, not, not even all of a sudden, everyone has, has clamoured and said, this is wrong. This is, you know, show us the investigation, show us where you've cleared him. And even more allegations have come out, and people's voices have got even louder. And yet, they've pushed him into this ladder match. And... It's going to take away the focus of pretty much the entire event, in my opinion. Yeah, which is a shame because there's a lot of good stuff going on in this in this event. Yeah, uh, I think I think there's like a woman, there's the women's championship that seems very uh, um, seems kind of important. Seems like a big deal considering how it hasn't been a good year for the NXT women's championship. We've got uh, Keith Lee against uh, uh, Killer Cross. Seems like a bit seems like a, a marquee match that we've been waiting for. Um, Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. You know, it seems such a shame to see all of this be overshadowed by uh, uh, whether or not the Velveteen Dream is going to be involved, or or if he's going to see any any punishment for uh, uh, his his um, indiscretions. What makes me angry, to be completely honest, is that 
being over here in the UK, I was in, I am in the eye of the storm. This is where like the speaking out kind of originated from. Uh, mm -hmm. where, and when it came out about Travis Banks, about Ligero and things like that, WWE instantly within a day or two cut ties, bang. And the evidence against them was, was damning, but it wasn't as public as the amount of evidence there is against Velveteen Dream. And it's, I don't know what to say. I really don't. Unless they come out and say, this is the investigation. This is what we found. These people are lying. Unless they come out and say that, everyone's going to damn, damn dream. And it really makes you wonder how tone deaf Triple H is. How much is that Triple H and how much is that from above? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, so so it's, how, de how detailed is this, this investigation that they went through? Like, how do you, there are screenshots. That sure looked like his abdomen. I mean, in, in images, um, do you, how is it that you could easily cut ties in some instances, but do you feel that race might play a part as to why they're, they're feeling that if they were to cut ties, that it's, it's not literally, it literally isn't black or white and that they could face another set of circumstances. So if it's not speaking out, it might be racial. I think that is kind of a, um, a simplification of matters. Mm. I can't see I can't see that the WWE itself willing to die on that hill over a race issue. It, it, it's he was grooming allegedly grooming children online. It it doesn't matter that that, that trumps race, creed, mm -hmm. color. It's it's wrong, it's sick, it's disgusting. And I don't think, I hope not, that that's, that's their way of thinking. I mean, again, we're, we're sitting here, three people looking at it from the outside in, not sure if they feel that one is more of a, one is more damning. When they, I, we can all think back to the Fabulous Moolah and how the Women's Royal Rumble was supposed to be the Fabulous Moolah's Royal Rumble. And then once everything came out about, I mean, there are those that still either support her or not, and the name was changed because they were afraid of that. They were acted swiftly on that. Do sponsors have to get involved for if money is to be lost? Is that where the issue lies? I think that's it probably a better way to look at it than than considering um, any kind of, of racial aspect to whether mm. why he hasn't been why he hasn't been released yet. And I think it's possibly because there's all kinds of. Uh, um, you know, there's all kinds of, of advertisers and um, people who are now going to be casting scrutiny on them that might uh, uh, change change what's going on going forward. You know, maybe I, wasn't Ridge Holland supposed to be in this match originally? Well, didn't he face Finn Balor and then? No, he um, he faced uh, Johnny Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano. Oh, that's why. Okay. And Johnny beat him to get himself into the match. Um, so, yeah, you, you've got Johnny Gargano. Their ears are Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Cameron Grimes in this five-way. I mean, that's that's some great talent there. All come from the Indies, obviously, apart from Dream, who has come through the system. But, you know, that's that could be another great NXT ladder match. Mm -hmm. Got anyone to win? Might be Johnny. It's without sounding crass, the the 
uh, North American Championships beneath him now. Yeah, I'm really, really starting to wonder if, if Johnny Gargano is starting to go in circles on NXT. Could he be under the hood? Could he be on the, on Retribution? It could be anyone. They could just keep changing it up. Anyway, we're going off subject. Um, you've got Bronson Reed, who I love. I've seen live over here at Riptide, and uh, he blew me away. And I just want big things for him because he's a big dude. He's a thick boy. But <laughs> I, I'm i going to go with Damian Priest because he's he's looked amazing. Yeah, I'm also with you there. So long. Damian, Damian Priest has been looking good on, on NXT, and he had... Uh, uh, I think he was snatched from Ring of Honor perhaps a bit too soon. I'd like to have seen him uh, at least capture the Ring of Honor championship for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he needs some gold around him to to really uh, cement the, his his status in NXT. Well, our own uh, John Call, actually, he, he picked Damian Priest too, much like you both. So um, I'm going to go a little off the, the grid. Uh, I, I liked him. I liked his time in... In impact, I'm gonna say Cameron Grimes. Just something, you know. He's he's fun personality. Uh, he's a little out there, and maybe that little bit of distinction. But I, I don't think any. I think we win regardless. You know, if it's Damien, if it's Cameron, if it's Bronson Reed, um, we all win. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, bloody new talent. Shining a new spotlight on them. It's uh, it's going to be good. And the uh, the women's championship, Io Shirai against Dakota, Dakota Kai, bless me. Um, that's, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of Dakota for well, ever since she turned up in NXT. And Io is just insanely talented. I've got big hopes for this match. Yeah, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it it, it seems like uh, um, seems like a, like the women's division in NXT getting back on course. Uh, like I said, it seems like it hasn't been a great year for the NXT Women's Championship. It feels like like Charlotte was kind of a distraction going mm. into Mania, and uh, uh, I'd like to see uh, Io Shirai. I'd like to see Io Shirai retain just to have someone in the past while who's had a a, a, a lengthy title reign. Most definitely, she. We we do. I I feel like that they need a, a lengthy Asuka type reign. Mm-hmm. Um, for that championship, and then you know, you know, have someone chase her for so long and, and take her mantle, then possibly EO gets called up if if that's the way that's going to be. What about you, Mark? Uh, I'm I'm with you both. Um, it's always been the one title that it feels like who's ever held it, they have just absolutely been dominant. I mean, whether it was Shayna Baszler, whether it was Oscar, um, maybe not so much uh, Kyrie Sane, but I, I think. Who, for the most part, when they've had these memorable reigns, it's always been exciting to watch these women just destroy everybody else. And uh, much like you guys, yeah, I think having it mean that much, I can't take the, the title away from you. She's, uh, as a heel, she's amazing to watch, compelled in what, what she's going to say or do next from the minute she turned heel to now. Yeah, it's it's uh, not something we I want to see taken away from her anytime soon. Let's do the triple threat number one contendership tag match. If I was booking a show, uh, I would, that would be the match I would uh, open the show with. A triple threat tag. Brizango are, are entertaining as hell. You've got uh, only Lorcan and Virtue as, you know, they do love a bit of strong style. And Legada del Fantasma, who impressed me each and every week. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of great teams. 
Um, Breezango just recently returned to NXT. Cards on the table, I'm kind of hoping they win. Uh, yes. I think they could... Their return to NXT gives them the opportunity to kind of rebuild themselves as not only... As, as credible contenders, first and foremost, but also credible contenders who have that kind of silly side to them, like Edge and Christian. Mm-hmm. I do. I've, I've said for the last two years, I've had an Edge and E&C vibe from them. Truly. Like, they have kind of the same thing going on with the with the two pretty boys who are just kind of ha- just into having fun together. What about you, Mark? Who's your pick? Uh, if, if Lorcan and Birch aren't put there, they to me are coming across like the team that's always so close and doesn't achieve and always so close. They're perennial top contenders, the bridesmaid that's never the bride. So uh, I, I hope that it's Lurkin and Birch uh, on my side, but they seem to be putting a lot of steam behind Legado del Fantasma. Um, who I want, who I hope are two different things. Uh, no, nothing against Brizango. I find that they're there maybe to make everybody else look better. But how else do you make everybody else look better by contending in a major match, right? Um, but yeah, I, I'm sentimental favorite. I'm going to go Lorcan and Birch. You mentioned we mentioned Legado del Fantasma being being fantastic each and every time we see them. I think they could get a good a good heel win. Mm-hmm. I think that could could uh, uh, at least keep the title uh, chase going a little bit longer for for Brizango and and Lorcan and Birch. Uh, just kind of give us a little bit more delayed gratification moving forward. I mean, it, I think I think we're all we're all excited for for three fantastic teams uh, uh, coming together for this match. Yeah, I, I don't know if they and they're not shy from doing heel versus heel booking for a major title. So if it was uh, Fantas- Legado del Fantasma, it does put the whole idea because they just had the undisputed era Imperium kind of like feud amongst them so i can't see that being too far of a stretch but maybe they don't want to dry up that well but uh, i can definitely see merits in brizango too like you guys mentioned so i mean we've got obviously the uh the marquee match the main events the uh, nxt championship so it's carrion cross not kill up carrion before uh we get told off uh against the champion keith lee that this 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 is wet my side. This is good. This is my kind of match. This is uh, going to be hoping to be uh, a nasty, brutal, stiff match, which, in my opinion, all championship matches should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really should come across as uh, um, more uh, uh, legitimate than than some of the other matches. Again, we've got yeah, like you said, two two big guys going at it. Cross had a really strong booking, and uh, again, Keith Lee. Uh, uh, limitless Keith Lee, you know, we love we love ourselves some big guys who can move. Uh, who do we got to win? Mark. Uh, so if I if I jump on, I'm I'm gonna stick with the limitless one. I, I have a hard time having him work as hard as he did to get to where he has. He's had some bad booking, but the way in which he wins, um, I don't see it in being a way where it affects Cross. And how he comes across looking. So whether it's DQ, whether it's count out, whether it's uh, time limit draw, whatever you want to call, Cross still looks strong. Um, maybe even he winning by disqualification, which could very well be the case. So um, not losing it 
who knows what this leads to. I think Cross uh, and Keith Lee keep going on beyond this match. So Lee wins, but Cross doesn't look bad in the process. Yeah, I'm with Mark on this one. Uh, I think I think Lee's reign as as NXT champion I think is kind of too important to to end uh, so soon after it started, and and that was kind of my concern going in was was wondering if this was going to if this was going to put a damper on and uh, carry and Cross's momentum, but now that you you have me considering uh, uh, a program moving forward between those two, and uh, that's that's a very interesting prospect. I mean, they could tap into Mia Yim and how that part was Scarlet. I mean, they, they I know they did that a little bit with Johnny Gargano and, and Candice, but th- they could really play on a whole psychological side of things. They did that with uh, Dijakovic, but who's to not say they can't? I'm sure uh, Karrion is creative enough that they could, you know, build that in some way. It's fun. I, I, I'm going to jump in that boat with you too. I 100% agree. I, I can see, as as you both said, a, a, a longer, a longer program with these two guys. Possibly, I'm not too sure if it's been announced yet. But if there's a takeover over, over Survivor Series weekend, uh, there could be a switch there. There could be some matches over NXT between the two. And um, before this year is out, Karrion Cross will be will be champ. But yeah, uh, big things. I'm hoping. At the end of year NXT awards, this would win the feud of the year. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm glad we kind of glossed over Balor versus Thatcher because I'm not prepared to drop one of my incendiary opinions on on episode three. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'll just say uh, down with Thatcher. Ooh, it's uh, it's been thrown thrown onto the uh, the card pretty quick. I'm not too sure why. We'll find out tomorrow night, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's my my little wingman. He absolutely adores Finn Balor. I've been watching Debit for eight years, and he is one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. But if you're putting Debit, sorry, you're putting Balor against Timothy Thatcher, Timothy Thatcher is gonna, you know, bind him up like a pretzel and have his merry way with him. Even uh, uh, the reinvigorated Balor we've seen recently. Yeah, he's. There could be a program out of this. It could be a little, a mini four-week, five-week feud coming out of this. But I personally, I think Thatcher needs to win. I mean, Balor doesn't need to win. Thatcher needs to win. And whether or not he's going to team up with his with his buddy Walter down the line, I don't know. Possibly, uh, he might even get called up and help you, his uh, frenemy. Matt Riddle up on, on the main roster, but but Timothy Thatcher needs needs that win to to legitimise who he is, that he can beat the big guys, the big names. Sorry, that that just about covers NXT Takeover 30. There we go. That's your NXT Takeover preview. Obviously, by the time you hear this, NXT would have happened, and we either look like complete magicians or fools. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to look like a fool just before my wife gets there first, basically. Uh, so with that in the review mirror let's go to our uh pieces that have been published this week mark we've had a couple of pieces this week that picked up some traction yes we have uh, really outstanding pieces um we're fortunate with all of our writers here at pro wrestling post uh, with their writing with their knowledge with their history with their commitment to uh, growing 
And one of them is uh, what is what will be, I believe, either a five or a six piece piece uh, on the history of Bullet Club. And Miss George Madden has been looking at the different reigns of those that have been running Bullet Club and who've been in charge. So part three has been t subtitled Goodbye, Good Night, Bang. Um, only one person in Bullet Club is synonymous with using those words, and that was the cleaner Kenny Omega. So this piece talks about Kenny's reign as Bullet Club leader and interesting introspective on from Bad Luck Fale, if you look throughout it, on his take on Kenny's leadership towards the end of the piece. Um, what was everyone's opinions potentially about this piece, about uh, Kenny's time? This, uh, like when Kenny took over Bullet Club, was about the time I started really paying attention to New Japan. And also when I started paying attention, you know, being the elite and Carl uh, uh, Anderson and, and Luke Gallows, or Doc Gallows as he was then. Um, that was kind of it. All it all kind of to reminded me of of those uh, early twenty sixteen days of uh, really getting into to the wider world of wrestling uh, after I came back to it in twenty fourteen. Unfortunately, I'm the opposite. <laughs> um, and it was when it was when Kenny became um, leader that I, I didn't really pay my interest in New Japan. Kind of tailed off a, a tad. I wasn't really that interested uh, to be fair it was nothing against Kenny it was nothing against Bullet Club it was just I had I was watching so much wrestling from all around the world that I had to give and take so I, I I'm still subscribed to New Japan World and since Georgia started this series which was about a month ago I think it was I've kind of gone back in time to see to catch, to catch myself up and see what I missed and reading this you can see she's done a great job she's done a research She's done uh, uh, just a fantastic job. Yeah, so she's she's got tons of quotes from uh, uh, lots of interviews and and really thorough on on where Kenny Omega was before joining Bullet Club. Like the fact that there's there was just a hint of dissension with with um, Bad Luck Farley's quote. Yeah, uh, let me. <clears throat> yeah, that that whole angle was one that came together really, really, really well. Really good slow burn mm. uh, uh, storytelling. And when it happened, um, the complete excommunication of just, you could see the divide and just laying out of Paige and Cody and Kenny and, and the Bucks and the divide was clear. And, you know, the fire, we'll probably get into that into the next piece, but to see how they were once all united. And uh, I, I'm sure that this clearly had separated them and led into what we see now with all, with AEW and, and where they are, but it really made sense and it really does differentiate between the two at the end of the day you can see that the the close bonds that the the elite had obviously gave birth to aew so you know all's well that ends well so to speak i mean bullet clubs is still going from strength to strength right now which yeah. obviously George will get to um with parts for i think in two weeks uh well for it it's probably going to come out next week i She's been pretty steady with each week having uh, each reign of whomever is there um, being a focal point. So um, when this is all complete, Miss Georgia will join us and share her thoughts on putting this together. And we look forward to that. Hey, we're getting our first guest. Look at that. Yes, yes. Uh, that was the first piece. Yeah, that was our first piece. Uh, 
Our following is an indie spotlight by uh, who is by a staff member who's been with us. I want to say since January, maybe December. Am I in the same ballpark? Yeah. 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 Uh, Clint, Clint is a photographer, Mr. Clint Dye, who's been photographing uh, CEW in his hometown of Iowa and the surrounding areas. Clint's becoming a bit of a jack of all trades. He's written rivalry pieces for us. He's contributed a few on this days. But one of the things that he's done recently is an indie spotlight watch on someone that is part of a show that's taking place this weekend in Iowa. It is a Black Lives Matter show specific. Um, and the focal point is the front man, Jossie. I'm hoping I pronounce that right, Clint. When you listen to this, maybe you correct us on it. Uh, and the confidence, even in talking to Clint on the side about Jossie, is that he has such confidence. He can, he's got the gift for gab, and uh, he's going to be part of this Black Lives Matter show taking place this weekend, uh, tomorrow actually. Well, when you see when you hear this, it'll be yesterday because it's taking place on Saturday the twenty second. Yeah, Jossie seems like uh, uh, someone who's shaping up to be the total package. Uh, he's he's uh, very talented in the ring, very talented on the mic, and and he's still a very young. Uh, he's got tons of room to grow, and and that's very uh, exciting. To that'll be very exciting to see. You know, I can I can see this guy showing up in uh, um, maybe MLW, maybe do some stuff on AEW Dark. Career's truly just beginning. What is interesting to note is that he's trained at the Black and Brave Gym. And Black and Brave is owned by Tyler Black, Merrick Brave, uh, and Tyler Black is Seth Rollins. So uh, to see that he's been trained there or that he trained there is, you can see that he's got a pretty noted background of those that are training him and that footing underneath him. I um, didn't know of Jarcy uh, until Clint started writing about him. And uh, I've waited for the piece to be published. I've read the piece totally piqued my interest i have gone online to try and find his because obviously you've both said that he's um he's very talkative he, he's very competent on the mic and i've gone out my way tried to find some promos of his on youtube and yeah i could definitely see the similarities with with the rock the um the confidence the, the swagger that he holds it's uh it is definitely the uh the cusp of something good there i think and also, uh, Clint himself has written a Black Lives Matter preview, um, which is on the site right now. So, obviously, get your butts over there, read that, read this. Uh, just fantastic content, again, from our fantastic staff. Yeah. Okay, so let's crack on. We spoke last week about uh, Impact Emergence. And Tuesday, gone, they held their, their first night of Impact Emergence, and it was a damn good show. Pete. What do you think? Uh, I think that Emergence has been uh, a very good preview of what Impact pay-per-view events are going to look like for the next, uh, for the next, or for the foreseeable future, at least. That exhibition title match that opened the show, uh, excellent choice for opening the show. Lots yeah. of uh, um, uh, lots of high energy action. Rohit Raju pulling out the the shock victory. Over Chris Bay and uh, TJP. Uh, heartbroken. Absolutely heartbroken I was. I was like, no, no. I mean, he's a worthy champion, to be fair. I mean, yeah, he's been there for for how long now? Three, four, four years? At least three years, yeah. And, and you know, 
Uh, I wonder what really was going through Chris Bay's mind when he was uh, uh, making his decision to to make it a triple threat. Because I haven't I haven't seen a lot of Rohit Raju, to be honest. Uh, I've been keeping up with Impact again for over just a little over two months now. I started just before Slammiversary. And uh, in my time watching Impact again, Rohit Raju has kind of come across as as not a very trustworthy character. <laughs> really starting to make, make Chris Bay look like uh, like Sting was in WCW. Just kind of making make alliances with no regard for uh, how trustworthy his allies might be. Uh, but yeah, like you said, great for Rohit, Rohit Raju. Uh, I think this is going to be either kind of a short run to just kind of give him give him the acknowledgement. It's either going to be a, a short run like that, or he's going to have one of those record-setting Honky Talk Man runs where he's constantly scrambling away with the championship. And and then whoever gets the the, the exhibition title after him is just going to look like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I prefer to go down that second route with the I'm going to eke a win by hook or by crook and hold it for... 400 days and then lose it and then as you said that next person's just made as soon as soon as that happens if that happens so pete do you see other people's uh, other people aligning themselves with uh rahit just so it secures rahit kind of like he has a set of bodyguards that are there to help him or whomever and that he's that cowardly champion but there's going to be people that are there to help him eke out that win potentially i don't know what happened to the desi hit squad if they're if they're still around um but even if that's the thing that he builds starts to build later uh like the miz did with uh uh bo dallas and and curtis axel that's mr Raj, yeah yeah that's that's an option um but i think for the for right now it's going to be rohit raju like you said winning by hook or by crook getting the odd getting the real roll up with the tights or or getting the odd low blow as for who he might get a hold of i feel like johnny swingers kind of also easily manipulable like that mm. and i think i don't know maybe the deaners mm-hmm. that's a possibility like, seems like uh like he could easily swing them over to his side but time will tell next on the card we had uh moose versus trey miguel for the unsanctioned tna world heavyweight championship uh went exactly as expected like, I knew I knew Moose was likely going to walk away with that just because that that TNA title is kind of keeping him relevant, but while while he's not in the main event picture, makes me wonder if if perhaps this this unsanctioned TNA World Heavyweight Championship run was a thing they had planned from the beginning, like we like we suggested uh, last week, and and makes me wonder if it was always meant for Moose in EC3. Because uh, afterwards, uh, EC3 came in and made off with the title. Mm-hmm. He uh, he definitely returned and put his stamp uh, on 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 Moose, basically. <laughs> yeah, but, it uh, seems very much like they've got that unfinished business from uh, EC3's time in Impact. Yeah, yeah, he's and in, um, he's intent on on taking down his past, but uh, what exactly does that mean? I'm I'm not one for vagueness. To be fair, <laughs> I just I need to be told, you know, there and then what's going on. So, 
for me, this, you know, breaking down the past, it'll it'll be all right for uh, three, four weeks tops. And if, if nothing's been set in stone as to what that actually means, then I'm just going to lose interest. Although, something that has piqued my interest is that EC3 has um, joined Ring of Honor, apparently. Oh, when did that, when did that news come out? <laughs> so I think I, that was yesterday, was it? Yeah, I think his deal uh, allows him the flexibility of not only being with Ring of Honor and Impact, but also with New Japan. And that New possibility... Japan. Yeah, that possibility, uh, at least if we're talking rumors and things flowing around, I mean, talk about somebody that has said, you know, controlling your own narrative. That is a guy that is oh, going to yeah. put himself going to put himself in a position. And maybe this is this him stealing the title is just a reflection of him just dictating what he's going to do, when he's going to when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it. Uh, I'd be curious to see how he works out in, in Ring of Honor in New Japan, but He's definitely got the gift of gab. That's one guy that never really had that chance to share his thoughts when he was yeah, somewhere else. He was uh, totally misused, in my opinion, uh, and in WWE. NXT, he was in there for, what, a cup of coffee? He was already there for that long to make yeah. a, an impact, so to speak. But he got called up and just got pushed to the side. Sad, really. Absolutely sad. So hopefully he's going to use that to fuel him going forward, which I think it is, looking at him now. Yep. Sorry, I was just daydreaming EC3 versus John Moxley. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's the thing I got to bring up, though, about this. Uh, Trey Miguel, uh, been that guy who, who's been coming very close to winning something, winning some gold, and then and then ha- uh, having it snatched away from him. Uh, is he starting, starting to become Jobber to the Stars on Impact? Oh. Is that really what they hoped for for the Rascals? I think... It's a bit early to say that yet. If we're saying that again in another two months, then he might be stuck in that rut. But I'm uh, I'm hoping not because the guy is supremely talented. Actually, all the rascals are supreme, supremely they talented. Are, yeah. And yeah, it, it just might just be just unfortunate booking for him. Maybe you know he could step up and and see Rohit for the uh, for the X Division title, and it could be a nice program there just to raise elevate him even more. But yeah. If, call me again in two months and I'll, I'll give you a definitive answer we had the good brothers versus uh ace austin and madman fulton this is a match that i am actually really excited about this was this was a really good match this is a solid tag team encounter uh ace and fulton playing kind of playing uh, like hbk and diesel mm-hmm. uh you know yeah. the little guy who's, who's really technically sound and a big guy who can who can just throw down with the best of them and and you know the way that they were using the, that, uh, uh, like cutting the ring in half, keeping keeping uh, Anderson in their corner, working his back, Arn and Tully would be proud. Makes me wonder though, is that the end of this feud? It seemed pretty definitive, but at the same time, yeah. I could I could see a little bit more of this going forward. I, I I'm into a little bit more of that, especially seeing how well Ace and Fulton work together as a as a unit. Um, but at the same time, I'm also excited to see Doc and Anderson move on to the tag scene as a whole. However, I think this really is a match that uh, illustrates, kind of kind of gives us some shape as to where the Impact tag division is going. And I think that what they're doing is is uh, uh, starting a tag, dis- tag division that looks a lot like uh, the tag division, WWF's tag division in the Attitude Era, where you have uh, three teams who are supremely talented, 
in in back in the Attitude Era, that would have been the Hardys, mm-hmm. the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. But in in Impact now, we have the Good Brothers, we have uh, MCMG, and we have the North. And I think if you have three really good tag teams who could be champions at, at any at any given point, that's where you can start building a tag division around them. Because you remember you'll remember in in the Attitude Era we, uh, era we also had like DX in the mix. We had uh, Too Cool. We had the Acolytes. Uh, all of them could you know maybe be maybe pick up a win over the champions on a Raw or a SmackDown, but really just there to keep things. Uh, to keep things fresh and exciting, and I think even having Ace and Fulton join the tag division as a unit would be would be a net positive. That's a, that's a great shout. That that's um, very very astute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're, you're you're bang on the money. They needed a tag division. I mean, the North were tag champs for just over a year. Does that say that there was no credible contenders, or were they that damn good? It, it doesn't really matter because right now you have got a division as you said, with, with three top-tier teams who could elevate another three teams underneath them or any more. It's it's a great move by Scott Demore and everyone else there. Again, I'm a biased because I love the good brothers and I always will. It was a bloody good match. Really, really good match. I can't say much more than that. It was just, it was just really good. And then in the main event, absolutely deserving of the main event, in my opinion, Motor City Machine Guns uh, defeated the North for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. I think that even without the shock of MCMG showing up, this was better than their first encounter. Yeah, yeah. They had time. They had uh, the energy levels were through the roof. Considering there was no crowd, it was that they were just, it felt like they were, you know, performing in front of 10,000 people rather than 10. It, it was a damn good match. And again, as you said, well deserved of, uh, of a main event spot. It was. Tag team wrestling done right, done damn near perfect, yeah. in my opinion. Like I said, it's still, it, it, you know, there are lots of differences from that earlier tag match, but, you know, still uh, uh, still giving us, you know, those tag team fundamentals. You know, the North doing very much the same thing Ace and, uh, Ace and Fulton were doing in the earlier match. Yeah. But, you know, just absolutely destroying them with backbreakers. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is uh, uh, a really... That was a really good match. I'd like to see more of it going forward. But at the same time, I also want to see Gallows and Anderson get involved. See, this, as you said, this is where things are going to get interesting because you want to see more of the North and MCMG. But then you want to see MCMG against the Good Brothers. You want to see the Good Brothers against the North. You, it's, it's the whole mix that they've got going on right now has made that tag division super, you know, well worth watching. Yeah, and you know, Impact in their, in their triple threat matches are usually usually blow away matches and you know we could we could easily see a triple threat tag team match between these three maybe even a tlc match though Ooh. <laughs> not, not quite uh what in impact wheelhouse oh they could uh they could throw something together all three it could be you know hair versus hair versus hair match and i'd, I'd still buy that triple threat Ooh. that'd be amazing <laughs> even though the good brothers don't have hair yeah <laughs> I, I i didn't see that coming <laughs> No, I was just, it's Mark's been very quiet. I've yeah. just, yeah, no, no, I, I was just kind of, um, just listening to you both. That's all. Um, Kylie Ray t- Valkyrie with uh, Rosemary's ref. How did that all seem to go down? The, the Wrestle House match. Yes. Um, was it tight per se to, uh, was no. Wrestle House match tight per se to emergence? 
N- not really. I think Russell was, House. Russell House is just a thing they've been doing because uh, that's been on that's been on uh, in, <laughs> that's been on Impact Wrestling regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how Russell House is going to end, but uh, as far as a Russell House segment, yeah, it was it was among the better ones. Yes, as a as a segment, it was it was okay, but the match was just really quick, mm-hmm. really quick. Which, to be fair, helped the flow of the card. The match was was what it was really. It was okay. It was. I can't really say much more than that, just because the 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 match itself was pretty short. Yeah, it was. It was Russell House silliness. And who doesn't love the silliness? I mean, come on. So um, we've got night two of emergence this Tuesday, yes. and. Uh, I think you've got the card there, haven't you, Pete? Uh, I have the matches that have been announced for night two. Uh, we got Brian Myers versus Willie Mack. I think Willie Mack could use uh, could use a win after losing the uh, exhibition championship. But it seems like they're bringing Myers in uh, much more much hotter than they did last time. And uh, th- again, this is this is um, this is an example of a match that that could very much be anyone's. The only thing I'm worried about that is that I don't want Myers to go down that that long losing streak route that he had on uh, at WWE, uh, especially because it was one that that didn't amount to anything until much 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 later. Uh, he was yeah. he was in the triple digits with his losing streak, and you know even uh, Giant Baba had the decency to give uh, Misawa was it Misawa or was it Kabashi? The 86 match losing streak. I think it was Kabashi. Kabashi, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look like a fool if I got that one wrong. Uh, <laughs> so right, we can edit that out and put it back in. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, if, if it's if it's a, uh, uh, we'll we'll save that for for the final cut. Um, <laughs> we also have uh, Diana Perazzo versus Jordan Grace in the 30 minute Iron Woman match for the Knockouts Championship. Yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be nice. That's we, gonna be. We had some again about that last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I don't want to harp, harp over it again, but I I am looking forward to that a lot, a lot. Yeah, looking forward to to the virtuosa uh, and and Jordan Grace round two, and uh, we have Eddie Edwards doing the open challenge for the Impact World Championship. No one's been announced. I'd like to think it'd be Eric Young after all the, the the teasing they've done there, but they could be saving that for the next pay per view. That's to me, that's got that's money. You you don't you don't throw that away for free. You you need to bring someone of a, of a lesser name than than Eric Young because, as you said, that's that that could be a very special match, especially as as Eric Young has, has tapped into his uh, his craziness once more. And we all know how Eddie Edwards can get. So crazy versus crazy for the world championship. Yeah, I'm I'm up for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, it, uh, uh, it could be Eric Young, but like you said, that's a money match. Um, equally plausible, maybe maybe Ace Austin. He's uh, not been very happy about what happened at Slammiversary. You could potentially uh, uh, make his presence felt again in this match. And you know he's one who can who can comfortably take a lose if he's going to be in the tag division with Madman Fulton. Yes, yeah, that makes that makes more sense. Whether or not it happens, we will we'll find out on uh, on Tuesday. 
And that's Impact Emergence, all done and dusted and in the books. While uh, we let you digest with, with uh, that information, we have a few things to look forward to this week coming from the site itself, don't we, Mark? Yes, we do. Uh, very excited about a couple pieces set to come out. Oh, one I ended up, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to write about, uh, seeing as that it is SummerSlam weekend, and we you know we talked about earlier with, with NXT's takeover taking place, NXT 30, but we scroll all the way back to the beginning and look at SummerSlam 88. It would be the first SummerSlam we retroview here on the site. And this was the day of the itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini for anyone that remembers that whole song. And that's how they were building the secret weapon that Miss Elizabeth had as the mega powers faced the mega bucks of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage against Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase as the main event. Um, going back and watching it, it was fun. Um, I really, really miss watching Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, but the actually in watching the whole sh- uh, event again the highlight was really the rougeos against the british bulldogs that match went 20 minutes and is as good as anything we would have watched today back then really really solid tag team we were just talking about tag team wrestling that was a great match um and it went to a draw and to see the exchanges and the storytelling those guys all put together fun 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 that's something you don't see much anymore nowadays is it a, a, a draw or a time limit draw or... yeah what happens so, those days <laughs> foreign seems like a foreign idea uh it was also the uh we, we were talking about the run of the honky tonk man and a and pete was mentioning it earlier it was also the night that the ultimate warrior was the surprise entrant and faced the honky tonk man winning the title in i want to say less than 30 seconds i think the documented time was 31 to 33 i'm don't know what the over under is but it was fast really really fast so uh, those were some of the key matches that were highlighted, and uh, we go back and welcome it as the WWE Sunday Night Retroview returns this week. Excellent stuff. And finally, just on the, the, the things that we've got coming out this week, we've got very interesting uh, Puresu. I can't, I'm sorry, I've just properly, properly brutalized that. Let's just say Japanese wrestling piece coming out from our rivalries. Is that right, Mark? Yes, we do. Um we have the Marufuji Kenta rivalries piece that Dylan Hughes, who's a new contributor to the site, has put together painstakingly, not painful, is actually a labor of love, put together looking at their history. And it took him longer to put it together because there was just so much to go through. He's It's sitting in our pending, and uh, either Mark or myself will go through and you know, give it the once over and polish it up and make it extra shiny. It'll go up this week. When? Well, you have to stay tuned to when on the site, and that will be available. But uh, if anybody's seen their time together, uh, All Japan, their feud, their matches, outstanding. We'll have videos where readers can go in, click, and actually view for themselves. So we're not just uh, highlighting something that we think is great because we think it's great. We want you to see why it's it was so wonderful. And... Um, now Kenta back with New Japan as part of Bullet Club. Uh, it's just as important today as it was years ago when he was having this feud. Uh, literally about half an hour before we started recording this, I had a sneaky peek and began editing that piece. Uh, <laughs> you know me, I can't, I can't wait. It's, I keep saying it's one of the perks of the job. And I, uh, I was in fraud, absolute fraud. The amount of information that Dylan's put on that piece is, is quite extensive. 
uh, the videos of the matches highlighted. Um, yeah, you need to spend some time watching them. They're just, oh, a star, you know, 10 out of 10 matches. Amazing. Absolutely mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few pieces to look forward to, in particular, this that special coming up this week. And there we go. And that's our uh, things for Push this week. Hey, uh, anyone know if Lesnar was on uh, Raw Underground this week? Uh, I didn't see it. Mark, did you see him? N- nope. Hmm. Nope. Right. Okay, then let's uh, let's pass on Raw Underground and go straight to SummerSlam this Sunday. The biggest event of the summer and all that razzmatazz is back. It is being held at a, a, a kind of empty Amway arena. Have you seen the pictures of the Thunderdome? Uh, I have seen the pictures of the Thunderdome. What do you reckon? Looks vastly different to what I expected. Uh, I'm not sold. When you said digital uh, audience, I I didn't quite know what to expect. Uh, It certainly wasn't a wall of screens on the other side of the barricade. It's um, that's going to take some getting used to. I I was reading earlier. uh, Who was it? Someone said something. It might be Sean Ross Sapp who said that it's it's all well and good having these screens that are showing these these people at home and everything else, but where's the atmosphere is still going to be dead. So unless they can pipe through some original crowd noise that could, you know, either live or or post or or something that will go along with the match that you're watching, it's going to look and sound a bit weird. And also, I th- I think it's weird that WWE would cede that much control over their audience. Because if you got people who are just at home on their webcams, who's there to say, <laughs> don't do anything? <laughs> you know, we could have a bunch uh, of coordinated people hold up uh, one really big sign uh, uh, or or something like that. Oh, that's just totally changed SummerSlam for me. I might not even watch the matches. I might just watch the fans on the outside. Oh, my word. <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping we don't get a pipe in of like, an inappropriate video being shot like through somebody's window. And what are they, I, that's, that's wrestling, but that's not what I was expecting to happen on a, on a live event. I mean, of course it's probably production people who can shut off the feed whenever, but (laughs) that's, that's just opening up a a can of worms that I don't think anyone's quite prepared for. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to be quick on those buttons. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm just wondering, though, what are the plans for this moving forward? You know, uh, uh, does WWE have plans beyond Thunderdome? Hey. (laughs) We've heard that a few times, and it doesn't get old hearing that. (laughs) Um, Uh, I just thought I should get the official one on the podcast. There you go. There you go. Trademark it, my friend. If you don't know what we're on about, um, go back and look at some old Mad Max films, folks. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's. I mean, it's. We're recording this before SmackDown airs, so it's going to start tonight. Apparently, Vince is going to be the first person out, obviously, because it's Vince and it's his baby. He's going to come out and address the universe and such like. So we'll, we'll get a good idea of how SummerSlam should look uh, with after SmackDown. The card. Uh, obviously, as I've just said, SmackDown's still got to air, so there may be one or two matches to be added. Um, is, have you seen the cards, folks? Is there anything there that tickles your fancy? Well, I, I guess the two premier ones being what happens with Braun and and 
The Fiend and Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss in that one. And then I guess Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people want to think that depending on which side you're pulling on, it's all signs are pulling to Randy Orton having such control that him not winning the title with all this seems almost like a letdown. I mean, if everybody's looking to this being it, I've heard stories around whether that's Drew not getting the his moment in front of a live crowd and the idea is that he loses the title and then wins it when the crowds are back is still that he's this perennial fan favorite is the is one idea but but i don't i don't know i mean are, are, is in 2020 are we just as convinced of having a 14-time champion um in front of no crowds does that mean something to, to everybody else or does anybody like the idea of a switch and that Braun is now the heel potentially and that Bray is the face? I, I, sorry, is, is Braun technically a heel now? But I like the, this possible inverted commas double switch they've done. Bray was never going to be a heel, to be fair. The, the Fiend is so over. When he, when he came, when he turned up as a Fiend a year ago, it was over. It's still over now. So turn him Braun Hill, um, if by shaving your head is making you heal, then I've been a heel for about four years. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I want to see Bray with the title because I think it was, he shouldn't have lost it in the first place. Braun doesn't need the title. He's a big guy. So, and I know it's old-style booking and big guys don't need titles. He doesn't. He honestly doesn't. I'm just happy he beat Goldberg, to be fair. Yeah, like you said, with, with this double turn, I think they really cementing that working against the fiend changes you mm -hmm. and i think to keep that going forward is going to be or to, to have that be how bray wins and what bray does in this era moving forward is uh um gonna be a, a great boon to to his character and uh how things are gonna how things are gonna work in the absence of characters like The Undertaker and Kane, those real uh, kind of supernatural characters. So Bray would be uh, not, a, not a replacement as such, but no, he would be a, a placeholder. Yeah, he'd fill that niche. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that, actually. Mark? You know, it's a thing that he's kind of been, been earmarked for ever since he was the, the, the eater of worlds. Um, I don't know who it was that said that the Undertaker character, I think I think it might have even been Seth Rollins, so you take that with a grain of salt, but um, if the Undertaker character would really work in today's day and age, I, I don't know if you could have, that's, that's huge fill, shoes to try to fill and having somebody with the outstanding history and, and the build and the audience response, and he would have to be just as much committed to reinventing himself and living the gimmick in watch i sorry i'm watching last ride to see 25 years to be that character to be all that it is the undertaker that's a lot to expect out of bray wyatt whose father was a really credible wrestler and grandfather was um a star wrestler too to try and live this gimmick and continue to, to keep it fresh and new and interesting because the character itself was uh, complex and there's different layers to it. 
how they do that, I don't know. I, I, I think that's a, a lot of pressure to expect on anybody, especially today with an audience that needs gratification. We, we all come from a place where we can appreciate a slower burn. But I don't know if everybody will resonate to that long-standing burn of a character. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But have you seen have you seen some of the interviews that Bray Wyatt's done in character? Yes, I've seen him host a, a weather weather report for a local TV station when he <laughs> was still the um, the cult leader of the White family, and he did not break character once and he was on screen for about eight minutes. He did not break character once. He, he freaked everyone out to be fair. I, I heard legend that he went to jury duty in character. No oh. way. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man. That man is guilty. And just everyone goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> He's guilty of the sins <laughs> of this world. That's my best impression of cult leader Bray Wyatt. He, he, but he, he's definitely got the chops for it. I mean, the guy's been living his... I mean, what's, what's the Fiend? The third kind of gimmick? The cult leader, the reach of worlds, and the Fiend. Yeah, yeah. And then you've obviously got the Funhouse as well. So, you know, he, he, he's he got the chops for it. He can definitely do it. Whether or not he can be given as much free reign as what Taker was is a different story. Obviously, Taker earned that. I Personally, I think Bray's earned it, but my opinion counts for nothing in, in the end of the day <laughs> other matches you mentioned uh drew mcintyre versus randy orton uh i saw a thing that randy orton did he tweet it or did he put it on instagram he said something earlier today to the effect of he wanted his last match to be uh against cena uh, at WrestleMania to be the one to break Ric Flair's 16 world chat title record. I saw well, that. Between the both of them. So they'll both be tied at 16. Yes, they would both be tied at 16. Uh-huh. And he said Cena would be heel. Which, Cena would be heel? Yes. Wow. Which maybe, maybe that's stretching it a little bit. Maybe <laughs> that's the hint that, that uh, uh, Randy wasn't being too serious. He's been playing TikTok too much. Yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's that is certainly uh, an interesting way for that career to end. Could this be that step towards uh, uh, the, that that match? Because this win, hmm. if he wins on Sunday, that would put him at fourteen. 14, I think. Yeah, tied with yeah. Triple H, right? Mm-hmm. There's nobody at fifteen. I don't believe. Well, WWE related, I'm sure. I mean, oh, and, yeah, and, there's definitely and, people who have had right, and 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 Flair's record is unofficially. They, I think they went with 16, but even he said it's like 21 or something. So, but at the same time, I don't think there's anyone WWE related that's won it 15 times or considered that 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 at least has been billed. I'm sure, I'm sure if you can Google it, yeah, you'll find it. But oh, you you said something about Drew winning the the title in an empty arena. Mm-hmm. He he wants to. To obviously have that moment with with the fans i'm under the impression that that randy could do this on sunday and then there will be an event down the line where drew will get that win so he'll become a two-time champ in front of the fans yeah 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 i know paul heyman was a pretty big advocate for drew 
and ha he spoke very highly about him having this. But now, if Paul isn't there, I mean, he's kind of hard to be where Drew is. He's worked so hard. I don't know. I mean, it's bad ratings can't be a reflection of him, and no crowds can't be. <laughs> it's not a reflection of him, definitely. Um, this this yeah. is where this is where this, this bad ratings against the the title holder just surely has got to fly out the window. We're in a sodding pandemic. Yeah. If if the, the rules change, you can't hold that against Drew. You can't hold it against against Bray. Uh, sorry, against Braun. It's it's just one of those things. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that all that is complete and BS. That there is some level of compassion over there in, in Titan Towers, but. I just think it's harsh. Truly, uh, to to go for for Randy just because he's a um, at least a, a bankable name, whereas uh, uh, I think the average the average mainstream viewer probably or the average uh, um, mainstream audience member wouldn't really know much about Drew McIntyre, apart from. You know, maybe that he was in WWE before. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a shame if it does happen. But then, as I said, and as has been rumored, you know, Drew could get his his WrestleMania moment uh, again in front of a live crowd. Moving on, could there be a possibility that Asuka could become Asuka Two Belt? Not against Bailey and Sasha Banks. <laughs> it's a shame, but I think you're right. Yeah. Just because I think Bailey and Sasha as a duo are are too much to contend with, and especially if they're going to be accompanying each other to the ring for these matches. Now, if it were if it were a triple threat think... match, I think maybe that would be a different that would be a different story. So then we go back to is Asuka being pooped on from a great height once and once again because she had that that major run in NXT brought up and. You know what happened there, and she's getting some steam and momentum behind her now, and she could walk away empty-handed. And what what does that do do to her? Yeah, we end up with with Oscar very much in the same position she was after being called up and winning the Women's Royal Rumble. That's just any any uh, any thoughts, Mark? Um, I I I would like her to win it. Yeah, I, Oscar two belts, maybe Oscar one belt, and uh, we see dissension. Uh, between Bailey and and Sasha, and then that leads to animosity between the two of them. I'd be very fine with I'd be fine with that. But Oscar winning something, walking out, and the other being blamed for that title loss wouldn't. I don't have a problem with that. I think that definitely sets us up for something special. So out of the two, out of Sasha and Bailey, who do you reckon would drop? I think Sasha drops. I think Sasha drops because it's all it seems like they can call themselves the golden role models, but if I have to look at the two of them, I just feel like Bailey has this edge in every department. She's the one talked about and Sasha's just kind of there. But I yeah, if I if I had to pick one, I think Bailey abandoned Sasha in a moment of she needs help. And um, yeah, Sasha retains. But sorry, uh, Bailey retains, but doesn't reciprocate that favor, and could ultimately cost her the title. Could cost Sasha. That makes you sense. know it's it's totally amazing that a year ago or whenever 
a bit more maybe when when Bailey turned heel, everyone was like, oh my god, oh my god, no, what's happened? Oh my god, what have you done to your hair? Oh, what's the makeup about? Oh, this is this is terrible. You fast forward a year, she is bought into that gimmick so much and she is amazing and she is despicable and heelish which is what everyone thought she couldn't and and wouldn't do and mm-hmm. it's just amazing really is yeah it's bailey's heel turn has gone over much better than lots of other heel turns for for people who should otherwise have been career faces uh i'm thinking sting i'm thinking Sami Zayn, because whenever you see whenever you see those people who you just you just can't in your right mind boo Another great example, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, Nobody in their right mind is going to boo Ricky Steamboat. And I think uh, uh, when when you see those kinds of people turn heel in WWE, it just kind of reeks of like desperation in the writing staff. But to see Bailey go from perennial babyface to this this driven charismatic heel. Uh, has been quite the surprise. Yeah, it's been it's been one of the highlights of the year. To be fair, this the, the way she's grown into the role is uh, it's been great. Okay, guys, is uh, is Dominic Mysterio on a hiding to nothing? If I remember correctly, he was originally brought in as part of the creative staff, wasn't he? Dominic. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I hadn't heard that. That's he good. might well have done. It might have passed me by, but that's interesting. So they 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 brought in somebody that doesn't have experience as part of the creative. I mean, they did that with Freddie Prince Jr., right? So I guess true. Sorry, my uh, true. Uh, they did that with um with uh, Dewey Foley as well, didn't they? They brought Dewey on as uh, as creative as well. That's yeah. that's probably where I'm getting yeah. confused. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Dominic Mysterio on a hiding to nothing, probably because I don't think. I don't think they're going to 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 let Seth uh, uh, take a loss to someone as as is, like you say as inexperienced as Dominic Mysterio. So is Dominic gonna literally gonna take a hiding because he can't win? Is he gonna take the hiding to get over? Uh, I don't know. Could don't, bring back his old man with an eye patch. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Dominic Mysterio is is gonna be starting as a wrestler at this top level never say never he's got merch now have you seen that uh, he does he's got merch oh dear so yeah. so he's he's further ahead in his training and development than say simone johnson is that what we're saying here oh um personally i'm not saying that because i don't know what goes on behind closed doors but <laughs> he's uh He's he's on he's on a major pay per view and Simone I don't think he's even been on an NXT show yet. No, not yet. Yeah, this is a really that's a really tough question to answer <laughs> without knowing what's going on behind the scenes. But we know that, yeah. that that he's kind of been involved since since last year, hasn't he? Well, you, you could go back even further. You, you know, oh, he's yeah. been you know fifteen years ago. He's been involved regularly since last year. <laughs> yes, he's he's popped on. On and off TV for the last year or so with with his dad Ray, um, but he's been training for I think quite a few years. But I don't know. Who, yeah. it tra- Ray must have trained him, but he, I think he's been training with other people and at the PC. Um, 
I mean, he even showed up in episodes of Lucha Underground years ago. Did he? He did. He did. Yeah. So you know that there's, he's got some longstanding being tied to the business and, and that, but. Okay, I actually I actually have Dominic Mysterio's uh, Wikipedia page open here. There you go. Uh, he's been training with Jay Lethal, Conan, Lance Storm, and Rey Mysterio. Wow, major names. That's oh. yeah. That's kind of those wow. are, those are names that are kind of hard to ignore. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's just put a new spin on it for me. So he could be, even if it, well, he's going to walk over the loss tomorrow, but he could. It could be a coming out party for him tomorrow if he's yeah, uh, very much with those trainers. It'd be interesting to see how he fares against someone who's got a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same ingredients in him. Seth Rollins does mm. Mm, for sure. So we're we're all agreed that Dominic's going to have a great showing, but ultimately get beaten black and blue, black and blue even, and possibly choked out with his new merch. Potentially, yeah. What 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 does this do with the likes of Ale- Alistair Black and Umberto Carrillo? Uh, th- where th- was this just kind of collateral damage having these guys kind of involved but not really involved? But do they make their presence felt? Uh, it's a street fight. Anything goes. Yeah. You know, we've got we've got Seth Rollins. He's got uh, Murphy in his corner. I don't know about Dickham and Razor. Have they been on TV lately? Think of injuries of what caused one of them to be out. It's kind of one of those cases where if, uh, when the Revival were hurt, one was hurt, they were both off. Ah, yeah. I see. I see. Well, uh, we also haven't seen, we haven't seen um, the third member of the Disciples. Yeah, Austin Theory. Austin Theory. So talk about there, something that... There was a rumor that he'd, uh, <laughs> he'd done a few naughty things. I can't remember what it was, but I did see yes, something. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So he might be, uh, he might be off for a while. So we have the potential of maybe seeing new disciples of the Monday Night Messiah. But could Dominic turn to become a disciple himself? You never know. As uh, <laughs> uh, didn't he uh, for a little bit during the Rey Mysterio Eddie Guerrero feud? Yeah, yeah, he did. Well, he he didn't know who his dad was. Bless him. So yeah, true. You know, things things happen <laughs> when you're uh, when you're confused like that. <laughs> Easily influenced. Oh, that sounds like me. Um. So we have the Raw Tag Team Championships on the line as well, where we have one of my guilty pleasures at the moment on Raw, when I do watch it live, that is, is uh, Andrade and Angel Garza against the Street Profits. Where are we going, guys? Oh, you're going to have to have the smoke. Oh, really? Well, th- there there was the whole poisoning and now seeking retribution, and there's always this tension that lingers with Andrade and and Angel Garza, and I just don't know if that, that trio can keep it together long enough. Whereas, you know, you've got Monta, Montez trying to come back from being poisoned, and that's the story, at least, that you're being led into. I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time not seeing them win it, but these uh, differently. Likewise, this, like poisoning someone is that step over the line where that guy's got to lose. You know, it's like um, like when uh, uh, the Freebirds blinded uh, Junkyard Dog. Michael Hayes absolutely had to lose that next match because there was just so much heat because he overstepped a boundary. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, 
you know, maybe that's the same thing that that we could see with uh, Dominic and Seth. I know maybe Dominic gets revenge for his old man, but uh, yeah. I think that's the thing we definitely need to see in this in this tag team championship match. I'm the opposite way. Like I said, Andrade and Angel Garza are my guilty pleasure. They just the dynamic between them is fantastic. They don't trust each other. They don't like each other. They teaming up. They're gonna take on the tag champs by. They're gonna sneakily, sneakily win it. Could could Montez still be suffering from the from the poisoning? It's it's you know, Montez when he takes the hot tag, maybe he just runs out of steam earlier than usual and yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the, the variables on it are great. So it's uh, up for up for everyone really. But I'm I'm going with Angel and Andrade. Nice. Then we have the United States Championship, where Apollo Crews, the champion, takes on MVP. So where are we going, guys? Uh, without Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin, I don't think uh, MVP will be in the right headspace. Uh, and I think I think Apollo Apollo Crews could easily uh, uh, send him packing. And you, Mark? Um, for every reason that makes sense for what Pete said is the exact opposite of why I don't think MVP will win it. Every reason that, and, and it's completely logical for why he shouldn't win it, but people have maybe forgotten Cedric Alexander was left behind in at least this past week. He was kind of kicked to the curb. You're feeling jaded. You're feeling bitter. You're feeling not included. Whether there's been this outcry for him to turn heel and get involved, they just said that the Hurt Business, the rest of the Hurt Business aren't allowed to ringside. They never said anybody else that couldn't be easily tied or was a friend, couldn't cost, you know. Maybe Cedric Alexander is the one that comes in and aids MVP and we have MVP as the champ. That's interesting. That's I like that. As you said, you know, it was just the Hurt Business and not allowed to ringside. So, yeah. you know, maybe in the style of Ted DiBiase, he's gone out and bought some, someone else to be as heavy. Yeah. It could be, it could happen. I'm, I'm going to go with MVP just because Cruz has has had the MVP's number for the past what three, four weeks, and WWE booking, you know, is there's going to be a there's going to be a switch at some point, so why not do it now? Yeah. And that leaves us with quite possibly the most news story uh, match of the card: Sonya Deville against Mandy Rose. Head off his hair. I take it we all know what happened earlier this week. Uh, you don't okay so um i don't know what day it was this is obviously recording friday but um earlier this week sonia deville uh, had the police called to her address because uh, yes yes yeah yes yeah had the police called uh or called the police as someone tried to uh kidnap her from her home kidnap her yeah and mandy rose was there as well yeah she's the friend that she fleed with yeah so they fleet the house together while this complete a-hole got arrested and tasered and probably a swift kick in as well. See, yeah, that's, that happened this week. So uh, hopefully both women are okay. Uh, I'm sure they are. They're professional enough that they'll put on a, a great match uh, this Sunday. I um, This has been a feud that really didn't catch fire until, for me anyway, uh, until Sonya's amazing promo. Where are you guys going on this? Uh, Mark takes the wheel on this one. I got thoughts to... Okay. Um, right now, uh, even uh, even if she loses, which is 
what I'm thinking right now, they're really trying to, it seems like they're giving all this motivation uh, towards Mandy Rose. Um, she's got the retribution. Her hair was cut. Um, I've read things about Sonya wanting to cut her hair anyway. So if, if what I read has anything to do with it, even losing Sonya has still come out uh, looking like a champ. So I'm going to, I'm going to call for Rose to win, but Sonya losing her hair um, is just another sign of just character growth and losing your hair doesn't make you lose. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for, I'm thinking that Mandy Rose is going to win and uh, Sonya is going to have a, a new look. Yeah. I'm, I'm hundred percent with you on that. There's, um, uh, Mandy's got, Mandy's got it. She can be the next big face behind Sasha Bailey Charlotte, and the hair, the look—it's—it's it's part of it. I can't see her losing because of that. And as you said, Sonya can take the loss, can take the haircut because, as you, you know, a new side to her character and everything else. It's um, yeah. I just want—I just want, in all honesty, I just want a great match. I just want to see both women want to tear each other apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you there for uh, for just wanting to see a great match. Yeah, I'm also in with uh, with uh, Sonya taking the loss because I think you like yeah, like you said, she can come out looking like a million bucks because uh, she's got the the fighting experience behind her. Part of me wonders how the potential of Mandy losing would factor into that storyline between her and Otis. Like, uh, uh, could something happen? With their romance, should she should she lose? Mm. Oh, he. So if if Mandy lost and and lost had her hair, that would that would turn Otis off, or turn Otis against somebody, or mm, yeah, or even just kind of like have the 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 whole Beauty and the Beast angle turned around, <laughs> where you know that's good. Where where Otis is is kind of rebuffing this lady who is absolutely gorgeous, but just. <laughs> has a shaved head. Yeah, it's hair. It'll grow back. It's funny though. It, in, if anybody shouldn't be judgmental, is the guy that becomes judgmental. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's really clever. That's good. Yeah. yeah, it's to be fair, Pete. It's so clever that it's probably gone over the heads of every single creative person on WWE. <laughs> um, which sucks because it's a really good story and a really good angle. But ah, uh, do you know what that? I want that. That that's that's good. I'd like that. Really would. Yeah. Nice little nice little combi angle. So there we have it. Uh we have that's as of the time of recording, uh, which is before SmackDown. That's all we've got on the card. Can we see anything? Any any possible matches? I'm not gonna talk about kickoff matches or anything like that, but anything that's added to the main card, do you reckon, coming out of um SmackDown tonight? Uh maybe the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, it's got to be. I mean, that's, I think that's the only title that's not not being defended just yet. Uh, yes, it's that in the SmackDown Tag Team Championship that's not been, that's not represented. And the twenty four seven. Oh yeah, <laughs> I keep forgetting that thing even exists. It's always defended. Yeah, so does creative. <laughs> I was saying to somebody uh, earlier, I'd love to see him defend the title in a Seven Eleven and be stuck there for twenty four seven. And see what happens, and they just keep a camera, like a surveillance camera, seeing like it would kind of be kind of the homage of a Booker T, Stone Cold fight that happened in the only 
they're confined and that's a match in a 7-Eleven. You see like shelves overturned, hot dogs tossed, all of that. And they're and then he's like, you really defended the 7-Eleven 24-7 title. Oh man. See, we should so be on the creative, which is we make things so much easier and so much better for them. Oh dear. But yeah, the um the IC uh SmackDown tag team, that's that's got to be on there somewhere. But I don't know where where they're going as of tonight because everything's still up in the air. I mean, it's what times it's quarter past nine my time, which means that you know, Vince has still probably rewritten the script about seventeen times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he'll <laughs> write them seventeen more times before Sunday. <laughs> There we go, folks. That's our SummerSlam preview all done and dusted. We hope you enjoy. Once again, we hope that we're right and we look absolutely awesome and mega brains. That's the end of the show. Pete, where can people find you, mate? You can find me on Twitter at Pete Probably, uh, though uh, you can also send carrier pigeons. <laughs> Actually, don't send carrier pigeons. I have cats. <laughs> 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 and yourself, Mark? Uh, you can reach us at uh, on Instagram at the Pro Wrestling Post, uh, on Twitter at either at the Mark Madison or at Pro Wrestling PST. Please uh, connect with us, engage with us, and you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we just hit a milestone. We're over 2,000 likes for our Facebook page. We're pretty excited about that, and we continue to grow. It's um, pretty exponential. We're and you'll find some of our pieces there too, kind of spread out sporadically. Yeah, it's been a great year so far for us. Um, I know wrestling's taken a major hit, but I think because of that hit, a lot of people have been looking for wrestling in different ways. And we seem to have picked up uh, a fair few new new people to uh, to read our stuff and, and hear our dulcet tones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Mark Blake. You can catch me on Twitter at MarkBlakePWP. Uh, this is the third week of recording, and I still haven't heard if anyone's DM'd Pete about his Twitter handle. I may have to do a bounty on this soon, where I have to put something up for for as, as a prize, so somebody can ask him about this story. But uh, we shall cross that bridge later on. So until then, we shall see you next week. Many thanks, and bye bye.